about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to get a large group together online without any technical difficulties. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about our experience at Virtual Gaming Con. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, unlock timeless adventures, and a virtual escape room. Then, we discuss our thoughts about and experience during Virtual Gaming Con. Finally, we wrap things up with a look at the etymology of the word virtual. And now, here are your hosts, Ambi and Crystal. One quick announcement before we hop into the main episode. First off, we just want to thank all of the patrons of our show who are supporting us on Patreon.com. You all make this show possible and you make it possible for us to upgrade our equipment and do other cool stuff every now and then. Um, But we wanted to make sure that if you are one of our patrons and you are not currently in our Slack channel, please go to patreon.com and check the posts that we've put up recently because we're planning a cool event and if you aren't in our Slack channel, you will have no way of knowing about it. So head to Patreon if you are one of our patrons so you can find out about it. Yay! Recently, I played Unlock Timeless Adventures, which yeah, is... Yeah, more escape rooms! Yes, an escape room type game. Came out in 2019, and this is one of the big box unlock games. So Unlock is the escape room that's replayable. It's a deck of cards and has numbers on them, and they're all different themes. But this big box comes with three different escape room games in it. The three games are The No Side Show, which is like a circus-themed one. And that's a sequel to one of the early Unlock games, Yeah, right? yeah. The early one. There's a couple of early ones in that same universe. Oh, okay. Like the bad guy, I think. I think that's his name, No Side. And, and that one's, I think it's like the easiest one too. And the earlier ones are also easy. So that's like more beginner level. The other ones are Arsene Lupin and the Great White Diamond, which is a mystery Sherlocky type one, and then Lost in the Chrono Warp, which is a time travel one. <laughs> yeah. So I I played these with Toby, two players, and I liked all of them again. <laughs> so I, I'm really excited by these new big box unlocks because I've been having a great time with all of them. And I think we liked the last one the best. Uh, the first two so there were some parts where we got a little stuck, but for the most part, it flowed really well. Um, but the last one, it flowed really well and it went perfectly with like the way we think, I guess. So I love when those moments happen. Yeah. It's just like, it's just clicking. Yeah. So we, so we didn't need to use any hints, which was great. Cause the, the other ones we used a couple hints cause like for one of them on uh, the second case, we knew what we had to do and we just like weren't actually executing it the way that it needed to be executed. Like, but we knew the trick and then we had to use a hint for that. <laughs> so that, that's kind of frustrating, but yeah. So the lost in the chrono warp one, the time travel one, it was really cool with the theme too. Like I liked the story and the theme, as I mentioned in the last episode, <laughs> where I, time travel is one of my favorite themes and I, I liked how they did it and I love escape rooms. So yeah, they, they did it really well. And they have some really neat things with how they do the cards because they have cards and they have art on the cards and they have new things with how you can place the cards and stuff. I don't want to go into too many spoilers, but I really enjoyed it. This is the Unlock Timeless Adventures. And I think the third one, Lost in the Chrono Warp, might be my favorite unlock so far. Ooh, that's high praise. <laughs> yeah. Although I don't remember like all of the other ones, but I know like the early ones I didn't like as much as exit 
but I'm starting to like them more than than Exit maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that brings up some a good point. I want to go on a tiny tangent here because I sometimes feel like I don't have great long-term memory about lots of games that I <laughs> yeah. play, but especially escape rooms. And I wonder if that's because they are just a single short time-length experience. And mm-hmm. they tend to be some of my most enjoyable game like gameplay sessions, yeah. but the details often don't stick in my brain for a long time. And yeah, I, same I, here. I don't know why that is, but I feel bad because then people like <laughs> two years later will be like, oh, how did you like that one? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I don't remember. And like, that doesn't mean it was bad or even forgettable, but I just, those details don't stick for me. And I, I wonder if our listeners experience the same thing. Yeah, and I, I think it might be because it's a one-time play. With with other games, even if you haven't played them in a while, you probably played them more than once. So you remember maybe not the specific game experience, but like the game in general. But here is just one experience each time. So it's harder, maybe. And I would say that a lot of these escape room games, while they do often have at least some bit of story or narrative to them sometimes that connection can be a little bit loose and so then in real in reality it is kind of just a series of puzzles and that seems harder to commit to memory whereas if the narrative was really strong Mm -hmm. I imagine it might be easier to remember so like if you had I mean, if there is if a game existed that was like Legacy of Dragonholt, but with puzzle solving too. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, now that I've said that out loud, that sounds like the best thing <laughs> ever. <laughs> I would like that, please. Like a really long narrative experience that was also puzzle solving. That yeah, and that um, I guess like Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. That doesn't seem like the same thing to me, even though. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm going on a tangent <laughs> for no reason at this point. So I am but, glad that you liked the unlock time. Yeah. Adventures. Well, in, in these three, they had pretty good story. I think like the theme worked really well and it had like a flow to it. So uh, at least the last two, I think were, were more memorable for me too. Okay. Oh, well, we'll see in like two years, but <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But I thought it was good. Very cool. Well, I also played an escape room, but mine was a little bit different. I had heard that during the pandemic, some physical escape rooms were making changes to be able to continue operating when they couldn't open their storefront. Mm -hmm. And I had heard that some of them were doing virtual experiences in their physical spaces. And I was like, well, that sounds really interesting. I wonder how that would work. This weekend, I got to try one. So, yeah, so Conundrum Escape Rooms, which is based in Colorado, has two rooms that are set up to do virtual play. The one that I did is called um, Virtual Hollywood Mystery. And the way that they facilitate this is you and whoever else you want to have participating with you, doesn't have to be in the same room, you can be anywhere in the world, theoretically, all get on a Zoom call with a person in the escape room building. That person is your guide and also a character in the story. So for our, and again, I'm not going to spoil any of the details of how this works, but basically our guide, his name was Levi, and he was a detective that had been previously kicked off of another case because he was, you know, inept and couldn't do anything right. (laughs) He was wearing like a trench coat and a hat. Like he was dressed 
to for his part and he had a camera with him that he would take around we went into the physical escape room like you would in a real escape room and then he would like pan around show us things and do basically whatever we told him to because (laughs) since he was an inept detective obviously he wasn't solving anything for us but he would so we would say okay we want to go look at the dresser or we want to look at the wall or whatever and I, I kid you not, I've been to a bunch of real life escape rooms. This felt nearly identical to that for me. Wow. It sounds like a real point and click adventure. (laughs) Yes, it really was. And they had for like for small details on specific items that would be kind of difficult to see through the camera. They had screenshots prepared of those items so they could bring those up during the Zoom call so we could see them more clearly. I absolutely loved this. So the virtual room costs a total of $75. They have two virtual rooms and I will be playing the other one that they offer uh, in the near future because I had so much fun with the first one. But I think if you get a group together, even if it's, you know, local friends, but everybody's at home, everybody gets on the Zoom call. um, This experience was a 90 minute experience and I think it was well worth the price, especially if you split that up amongst your group members. I loved it so, so, so much. And we literally got out, like we solved the mystery with, I think, three minutes remaining of our 90 minutes. We were really far along with like 20 or 25 minutes to go. And then we kind of like got stuck for a while. (laughs) Yeah. And it was neat because Levi was able to give us hints if we wanted. Mm -hmm. And it was neat because since he was in the room with us, it was a more helpful way of providing hints than normal because he could provide different types of hints. Mm -hmm. He could speak in character. He could just move the camera a specific direction or point it at a certain thing. And then he could theoretically, if we had wanted to, he could tell us stuff like more specifically, but we didn't ever really get to that point. He usually was able to kind of just very gently guide us. And it was just so seamless. He was wonderful. I I don't think anyone from Conundrum Escape Rooms probably listens to our podcast, (laughs) but promote Levi. He's wonderful. I just, I was enamored with the whole experience and I would highly recommend it to any of our listeners. If you're looking for a fun thing to do with your family or friends on a weekend and you're, you know, all safely at home because of the pandemic, this is a great option. Uh, I will have Ambi put links to the Conundrum Escape Rooms website in our show notes, so it'll be easy to get to. But yeah, I cannot speak highly enough about this place and how they they did this specifically. Oh, and for uh, content, as far as like family friendliness, I can look and see uh, the difficulty rating on their website is moderate. And I'm trying to see if there is like an age thing. They don't have an age thing listed. I would say, so the the loose story here is that a Hollywood starlet has been kidnapped and you have to figure out who took her and where they took her to. These are not spoilers. That's the premise of the room. Um, So there are some creepy references to her kidnapping, but nothing that is overtly adult in nature. So I would say it is probably safe for most kids in that regard, but obviously parents can judge that on their own. It'd be cool if a bunch of places start doing the virtual thing, because then you can just try a bunch because the problem with being able to try a bunch is that 
Like, you have to travel. <laughs> right. So. Like, you could try right now, like, in theory, I don't know, obviously, what businesses are doing this, but like, we could do an escape room in Australia or yeah, Korea cool. or whatever. Like, if, if businesses pick this up, like, you could open your audience to worldwide. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I specifically enjoyed about this one that I didn't realize would happen in advance is I am that person that tends to dwell on items in an escape room that are completely useless. Mm -hmm. And because our physical presence was a person familiar with the room, like he wasn't leading us, but if we tried to open a thing and it didn't open, he would just say, yep, this drawer is locked. It doesn't open. So we wouldn't have to be like, am I doing this thing wrong? Or did I, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. You wouldn't have to manipulate things more than you needed to because he knew how to manipulate the things. <laughs> yeah. And that it was always save in time character. Too, yeah. yeah, it was it was just so perfect. Cool. So that was Conundrum Escape Rooms Virtual Hollywood Mystery. Alright, Ambi, as we are recording this, Virtual Gaming Con is in its final day. It is wrapping mm -hmm. up. So for those of you who are not aware, Virtual Gaming Con is the online convention co-hosted by Board Game Geek and the Dice Tower. And it was a weekend filled with scheduled and unscheduled events and board games online. <laughs> yep. Ambi, what did you think of Virtual Gaming Con and what did you do during the event? So going into Virtual Gaming Con, I was not expecting to be able to participate much because... My my schedule is pretty uh, tight. <laughs> I mean, yeah, two two less than one year olds will generally yeah. do that to a person. Yeah, so I'm really only available for gaming after 7 p.m. Pacific each night, which for people in the U.S. it's usually difficult to game because the people on other time zones are already like late and going to sleep then <laughs> and also i don't really like digital board games like i've played on board game arena and um i guess that's the main big one i've done apps too but i don't really like them that much because i i like like being able to see the whole table and i don't know i just don't like the interface usually so i wasn't expecting much <laughs> but then i actually had a lot of fun and i was actually able to participate a lot more than i expected so they had like a big Discord server and they had a bunch of events going on and they had a looking for games channel. So whenever you're open, looking around for open gaming, you can go in there. And I actually was able to play a game uh, one of the evenings just by going in that channel because that was like the one evening that I was completely free. <laughs> um, so I was able to play a game of Fantastic Factories on Tabletopia. I love it. So was that your first time playing the game? Or yeah, it was it? my first time playing the game. Gilhova well, actually taught me. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, so yeah. I know. Pause for two seconds. Very quick. What did you think of Fantastic Factories? Um, I like the engine building part. I didn't really like the dice because uh, I okay. don't like dice. I don't like dice where it's just your dice and you your own dice pool. <laughs> but yeah, I like engine building stuff. So that part was fun. But Tabletopia, I do not like. <laughs> so like the interface is laggy and I don't know if it's just my computer or because I was playing in the browser I'm not sure but it was laggy and it was hard to control the things I would like try to discard a card and it ends up tilting over the deck of cards because you didn't put it in the exact right spot so I was like okay I still don't like digital games after this but then I played the crew with you on yeah. Friday I believe 
I think that was Friday, <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you convinced me to download Tabletop Simulator. <laughs> or to buy and download it. Yeah, so, and so was this a mistake or no? <laughs> no, it was not a mistake because I actually liked it. Yay! So this is like the first time I've liked, well, I mean, I, I think I like the platform. Yeah, I think <laughs> so... Tabletop Simulator, when, when a mod is set up well, it works really well. Yeah, so I guess that was a good mod. I haven't tried any other games on it yet, so I'll have to try other games. But yeah, that was, it was good. Like I could see there was the right amount of rules um, enforcement. When you put the cards in, in where you wanted them to go, they went there and, <laughs> and yeah. like I could see what I needed to see. So that was cool. Uh, I had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> I actually, so I, we played the crew Friday night and then mm-hmm. I also taught the crew to some people on Saturday. Well, they had kind of played it previously, but it had been a while. So I was, it was kind mm-hmm. of a short reteach. But yeah, so I got to play the crew two different days with two different groups. And nice. one day we got to le- we got to level six, right? Yeah. And it took us a while to beat level six. Yeah. And then the next day, I think we got to either level six or level seven. <laughs> so it was like mm-hmm. right around the same. <laughs> level six is hard. <laughs> yeah, the limited communication. It's yep. so much better with five players than with two players, though. Like with two players, we did we don't need the communication because it's very rare that like you don't have multiple cards of a suit in two players. So with five players, it's that happens more often. So it's more dangerous playing the suits because yeah. like someone might only have that card. So yeah, it's, it's way more more fun with five players <laughs> if i had to guess now obviously like a single play of the crew is playing a level and that's really quick but mm-hmm. i think now i've probably played the crew gosh how many times i haven't been tracking so it's hard to know for sure but i, mm-hmm. I think i've played the crew somewhere like in the vicinity of like 30 to 35 times probably and i still love it just as much if not more than when i first learned it on the cruise nice I'm checking my place. <laughs> <laughs> I I have been doing such a horrible job of tracking during the pandemic. Now, admittedly, I'm playing less also. But the thing is, I never used to track digital plays, even pre-pandemic. So when I would play a game on Board Game Arena, like, that's a real game. Like, if I played For Sale or Colorado on board game arena i theoretically should be tracking those plays because i Mm -hmm. played the game but i've never done that and i haven't started doing that during the pandemic even though i should because i guarantee you we're going to be recording an episode at the end of this year and i'm going to be looking at my tracked plays and going oh (laughs) like it's going to be bad because i'm going to be have no idea i mean i'll have an idea but it's it's so much more helpful when i track and i hate tracking so i've gotten lazy yeah, I've been tracking my digital plays. I don't, I mean, I still don't play many digital games, but for this uh, weekend I did because they're live plays, like live digital plays I tend to track. And especially since we were talking on Discord, it's like it was more like we were actually playing a game together. Yeah, that makes sense. So it felt more like a board game. That was another thing. Like it felt like we were playing board games with people and it was easy to get into board games with other people with the Discord. So that that felt kind of like a convention and it really did and more so than i expected yeah yeah me too i i have not attended the other virtual conventions that have been happening over the past month or two so this is not a point of comparison to those mm-hmm. but in my opinion the way this virtual convention was run 
should be a template upon which other virtual conventions are run or Mm -hmm. other virtual conventions should look at this and try and take some learnings away from it because having the discord server having the pre-scheduled events in tabletop events it caters to all different types of gamers because some people really like to schedule everything in advance and know Mm -hmm. what they're going to be doing and other people like me tend to not schedule as much stuff in advance and kind of just want to play it by ear especially because like you know, I get migraines frequently and other stuff like that. And that stuff still affects me whether I'm sitting in my office at home or whether mm-hmm. I'm at a convention. And so it's hard for me to commit to certain things because um, I don't want to end up, you know, like with a migraine in bed and not be able to make it to a scheduled event. So Yeah. I kind of wanted to do scheduled events, but then I was like, oh, but what if like I can't do it because what yeah. if like the baby's going to sleep later or something? So I was like, yeah, I'm not I'm just not going to do that. So did you play any other games? No, no, except, well, we did. There was a scavenger hunt thing. Yeah. Run by Nona Knows Games on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, she ran a crazy 88 scavenger hunt thing. So there were 88 different tasks that you could do. <laughs> and you just do as many of them as you want to, and you can be as creative as you want. Like, you get extra points for creativity. But we were doing it for fun. We, uh, Crystal and I were on a team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there were a lot of fun things to do, like... Um, like taking pictures with board game components or yeah. making something creative out of, like, a, doing a drawing or a craft. Yeah. Craft. Uh, or... Oh, yeah. I, making something out of toilet paper. I made a dice tray out of toilet paper and then a dice tower out of the toilet paper tube (laughs) (laughs) that was really cute I love that (laughs) yeah so it it was just a lot of fun for like when you aren't gaming and that was great for me because during the day I don't have enough time to be gaming and I have like little pockets of free time so I could just do some of that while I had free time and it was great inspiration for like doing creative stuff (laughs) yeah we didn't. We definitely didn't get all eighty-eight tasks done. <laughs> no, but I don't think close. that was ever our goal. <laughs> no, so. it was just fun. Yeah. So that was really cool of Nona to put together, yeah. and I would love to do stuff like that in the future as well. Mm-hmm. So some other games that I played during the convention. So I did teach the crew. Like I said, I played the crew two different nights mm-hmm. a whole bunch of times. I played King Domino with my friend Amanda, who Amanda Panda is her screen name. She's been on a lot of the Dice Tower streams and stuff like that. Um, She and I played King Domino together on uh, Board Game Arena. I tried out the new or the beta Downforce uh, on Board Game Arena, which was really fun. Um, And then um, I did the virtual escape room with some friends and Ambie and I hosted a karaoke night. Yeah, that was fun. That was so much fun. Um, Right after the closing ceremonies on Saturday, we did a live karaoke night and had some people uh, join us and get to sing. And it was really, really fun. And Ambie and I, I think you and I have talked that we would Mm -hmm. kind of like to do this karaoke more regularly. Yeah. And then uh, Derek Porter actually put on a rock band event on Friday night that Ambie got to participate in with a pre-recorded audio clip. I cannot describe to you all how cool the setup Derek had yeah was. that was amazing <laughs> it was so it neat, worked so. so well too well like yeah. when it other than like <laughs> well, there, there so were yeah, some technical were some... difficulties but like his setup worked really well yes and they did kind of iron out most of the stuff after the first like 20 yeah. minutes or so mm-hmm. I believe they recorded the whole thing and are gonna release it somewhere 
but I'm not certain where or when. Um, mm-hmm. If we get word of that, we'll obviously shout about it on our social media. But it was really neat because a whole bunch of board game celebrities like Ambi and Z Garcia and Eric Summer um, like all came and did singing, even though they weren't there live at the event. It was just so cool. Yeah. And it was so fun to watch them all. <laughs> all the songs yeah. are so good. <laughs> Very, And it was like a really neat amalgamation of different types of music and different styles of music but somehow yeah. it felt cohesive anyway i don't know it was because it was really all good. rock band <laughs> yeah so final thoughts ambi virtual gaming con what do you, do you think that this experience will make you more inclined to want to participate in other virtual conventions going forward yeah i think so i liked it so i would like to participate more in virtual uh, conventions and also now that I know that it's possible for me to like tabletop simulator <laughs> and I have it now so I can be yeah. playing more games online with that maybe even not at a convention I don't know <laughs> I mean honestly I'm always down to play the crew yeah. so if, if there's ever an evening that like even if it's just you and Toby and me I don't care like we can oh, Toby has the... to get it <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> well uh, maybe we can find some people in the Blitz Slack. So that's yeah. another reason for people to uh, join our Slack channel because that's how we solicit gamers <laughs> occasionally. Like, hey, we want to play the crew. Who wants to play with us? Yeah. So what did you think of the con? Would you go to future virtual cons? I think I would. I think I... It's not that I doubted the ability to hold a virtual convention. I think I just didn't understand how it could simulate some of the things that happen at a real convention. And I think this did simulate a lot of the things at a real convention really well. You know, publishers had their own channels in the Discord where they could demo things and show stuff off like they had a, if they had a booth at a convention. Um, and you could wander over to that channel if you wanted, just like you could wander mm-hmm. over to a booth if you wanted. Um, and then, yeah, unlike a real convention, you know, there were channels where everybody could be there all at the same time. You can't do that in a real convention. Even if everyone's in the same room, it's still a lot of people in a giant physical space. It's not like you can talk to everyone simultaneously, but here you can say something and have everybody hear it. Like, I really want to play X game and everyone in that room will hear you say that. And if they're interested, they can speak up. So I actually think while there are parts of an in-person convention that you can never completely duplicate, I think that there are some benefits over physical conventions that a virtual convention has. Yeah, yeah. Like, the looking for games was so much easier, I think. Yeah. That yeah. Was, that was amazing. Yeah, instead of just, like, wandering into an open yeah. gaming area and <laughs> awkwardly... Like, it's less awkward to just put a message out there and say, hey, yeah. you know, what's going on? Than to wander into an area full of strangers and be like, uh... <laughs> Right, like even me as an extrovert, I have trouble with that sometimes. So I can't even imagine what it's like for people who are less extroverted than I am. So yeah, two thumbs up for Virtual Gaming Con. And not just because we are affiliated with the Dice Tower. You all know we would tell you the truth if it was (laughs) not great. And honestly, it was awesome. So I hope to see more events like this in the future. For this week's etymology segment, I'm going to dig into the history of the word virtual. The English adjective virtual originated in the late 14th century when it meant influencing by physical virtues or capabilities or effective with respect to inherent natural qualities. 
It can be traced back to the medieval Latin word virtualis, which came from the Latin word virtus. That word meant excellence, potency, efficacy, or more literally, manliness or manhood. The computer sense of the word, meaning not physically existing, but made to appear by software, didn't appear until 1959. All I know is that I'm grateful to have virtual ways to experience things, attend events, and hang out with friends until it is safe for everyone to do those things in person again. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for video and blog content as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. For the month of July, you can get 20% off your order of all non-exclusive items sold at greatboxgames.com by entering the promo code SUMMERBLITZ at checkout. One game you can pick up is Reavers of Midgard, an epic strategy game where you send your warriors out in hopes of obtaining the most glory. Gray Fox Games, quality games cleverly crafted. Did you know you can support our show and get cool perks for as little as $1 a month? Become a patron to listen to unedited episodes and join our private Slack channel which lets you chat with us and other books here directly. Head to patreon.com slash boardgamelitz to become a patron today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mount. Board Game Blitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time, they say just go. They say I'm waiting. They check their watch. While minutes churn. It's not my turn. It's not my turn. It's not my turn. It's not my turn. Bye, everyone. There were a lot of fun things to do, like, um, <laughs> and I completely forgot everything we did. <laughs> All non-exclusive items sold at Gray Fox Games got that. <laughs> <laughs>